0: welcome to the shakeout podcast i'm your host kate van buskirk each week canadian running staff writer maddie kelly and i bring you the news results and drama from the exciting world of running this is the rundown All right, listeners, another week, another rundown. Maddie and I are uh, joining you from the very snowy greater Toronto area where we've been hit by this nasty winter storm that I think probably dumped the most snow in like a 12 hour period that I've ever seen fall in the GTA. Maddie, would you agree with that?
1: It's not often that you see like even Shoppers Drug Mart is closed and that's that's the situation we're in today. So it was it was a lot.
0: It was a lot. And Maddie was just telling me that she ran outside today, which is amazing because I was on the dreadmill. Maddie, how was your outdoor run in the uh, snow globe that was this part of the world?
1: Um, Parts parts were great. Parts were not so great. Uh, A not so great part, um, my running partner did fall and she's fine, but she fell. And then on her way down sort of did like a karate-esque move and took my leg out with her. So I just sort of did a wo Nelly, but she actually hit the ground. So that was the part that wasn't the best. But uh, it's honestly, it, it's, it's more slick than it is snowy at this point here. Like generally things are clear, but uh, there's there's black ice under that snow. So this is your PSA to be careful, folks.
0: That's always the hard part. Like, I mean, we've been hit with some really cold weather too, as I know most of the country of Canada has been over the last couple of weeks, but I don't mind the cold, but when you can't see what's under the snow, it's just so treacherous. And I've had so many spills like that where I'm like, I hate the dread, the dreadmill so much, but I'm willing to do it over, uh, over running outside if, if it's dangerous. I have a hot treadmill take. I treadmilled
1: on Saturday morning. I loved it. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed myself. It was minus 30 outside. So it was it was run in minus 30 degrees Celsius or in the comfort of my own home, put on a sports bra and shorts and run inside. And you know what? The whole time I was thinking, God, I'm lucky. So I know <laughs> some people really hate the treadmill, but I had a great treadmill experience
0: this weekend. I'm I'm glad to hear it. And it is, it is you are very fortunate to have one in your home. That makes a big difference. Well, someone who is joining us today, not from the snowy GTA, but is no stranger to adverse conditions himself, is our newly minted Canadian half marathon record holder, Mr. Rory Linkletter. Thanks so much for joining us, Rory. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, and I'm glad to be back here. Recurring guest. You had me on two years ago after Houston in 2020, so I'm just just honored to be not only a one-time guest, but a, a recurring guest of the show.
0: Well, we're so glad that you're doing that as well. I know I was thinking back, I was, I was chatting with a couple of colleagues today about the last time we had you on, and it was when I was in Flagstaff, Arizona, which I know is where you're joining us from today. Uh, yeah, almost exactly two years ago. And that was your first time running Houston, is that right? Two years ago? Yeah, that
2: was that was my first time running the half as well. That's so, right. You know, two years later, a couple other halves under my belt. This was my fourth half marathon, and and it went great. So can't complain.
0: No kidding. Of course it went great. That's so awesome. Again, huge new Canadian record. Uh, Just for a little context here, Rory ran 101.08, a blazing time, so close to that one hour flat uh, time barrier, and broke Jeff Schiebler's 23 year old Canadian record um, by, I think, exactly 20 seconds. I believe it was 101.28, which is just such an amazing accomplishment. So, right off the bat, congratulations, Rory. Um, Maybe we can have you start by taking us through the sort of the, the lead up to the race and what the goals were going in.
2: Yeah. So, um, obviously I ran pretty close to this record in 2020 and that was, you know, my first time running the event. And I, I kind of left that race in 2020 thinking like, oh, I'd love to get that record next time I, I get the right opportunity. And this was actually just the next time I got the right opportunity. So I've, I'd run a couple other halves, but, you know, records aren't, aren't easily broken. So you don't just, you know, go out there willy-nilly and, and chase a record. You need good competition. You need a good course. You need good conditions. And, and you need to have a good day. Uh, so I, uh, I was fortunate enough to have good fitness going into this race. Uh, and the weather looked decent. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't by any means perfect, but, uh, but it was good enough to, and the competition was great. And so I, I, thought this was a great day to, to chase a record and, and I didn't have to really do much of the chasing myself until the final, uh, kilometers of the race. But I, I put myself in a good position with just the pack that, that went out here in Houston, uh, in the Houston half. And, and I was, I was just positioned really well and with the final, final, you know, stages of the race, I realized I was under pace and, and feeling good enough. And I just got scared and started running really, really hard.
1: (laughs) And Rory, you may say, or you recently made some pretty major life changes. So how did that feel heading into this big race? You know, you're fit and you've got a new coach. Did this new situation give you confidence? Was it a little nerve wracking? Talk us through that.
2: Well, I would say the one thing that gave me the most confidence was you know, my, my new coach, Ryan Hall is is the American record holder in this event. And he he kind of gave me the vote of confidence, like, hey, you're ready to run. Uh, we, we speak in miles here, uh, south of the Canadian border, but he's like, you're ready to run 440 mile pace for a long time. And that's exactly what the record is. It's a, it, I think it was like 441 pace would have gotten me the record. So he, we did a couple of key sessions that were, you know, long sustained efforts. And, and I, I felt really, really comfortable at that pace. And like, I was, I was really confident in my ability to run that pace, but I would say that the biggest, uh, difference with the, the new change is just, you know, I had, I had a, uh, a coach that, that I admire as an athlete and, uh, respect so much. And he, he just told me I could do it. And I just believed him because why would, uh, Ryan Hall tell me something that, that he, he didn't think I could do.
0: So I want to dig a little deeper into this this change, if that's okay, because I know you know this is the time of year when athlete contracts often come up. It's a new year. It's following an Olympic cycle. This is sort of the the time that if people are going to make changes, you know, this is when it often happens. Um, and you you did announce in December that you would be leaving Northern Arizona Elite and uh, your sponsor, Hoka, which I know you had been with for the last couple of years. So maybe you can walk us through like what that process was like and how you got connected with Ryan. Like how did you decide on him as a coach and how long had you guys kind of been like talking or working together before you made that official change?
2: Yeah. So the bottom line was, is I just was, I felt like I was underperforming and you know, I, uh, I, I have a a lot of belief in, in what I can do as an athlete. And I think most of us do you have to, to, to make it on this level is you just have to believe in yourself. And I was just I was starting to doubt myself and and I really felt like there was, there was a moment there where I was like, I don't really feel like confident when I'm stepping to the line. And that and felt like I I had lost that identity. Um, and to no fault of anyone at Northern Arizona elite, it was just, I had, I had, had a couple bad races in succession and just was, it was spiraling. And I was just like, I just need to change my environment. I just need to try something new. And uh, I just had that feeling in my gut and, and, I, and I followed it and, You know, when I first started thinking about that was October after the Boston Marathon, which was an unfortunately bad day for me. And, uh, and, and that, that thought entered my head and, and I, I knew once I started having those thoughts that, that I needed to act on them. And I, uh, I wanted to at least run one more race under, under Ben and make sure I left on good terms, um, with, with the team. And I wanted to be a part of, uh, Nick Hogger, one of my best friends, uh, debut marathons at CIM, and I was able to, you know, run a run a race. I was really proud of there, and um, we were able to work together. And I helped him run a great debut marathon. We went two, three in the race, and it was really fun. And it was a great way to end uh, a, a chapter of my life that that I'm so grateful happened. I, I learned so much from Lee and from uh, Coach Ben Rosario, and from all my teammates I had, and. I was. I just was so happy that I was able to end that chapter in a in a positive way, and then I, I was I was all in on on uh, working with Ryan because I just had this draw to him as a as a person and as an athlete, and I reached out to him and he was interested in working with me, which uh, you know he didn't have to be. He's got a lot going on in his life, uh, you know, coaching Sarah and and running a business of his own. So for me, uh, just the fact that he was willing to work with me the fact that he's here in Flagstaff and he could be in person for me. And the fact that I, I just admire him so much as a human being and uh, as an athlete, it seemed like a no brainer. It just, uh, it just felt right. And so I didn't even explore any other option when he said, yes, I was like, perfect. Let's get to work. And, uh, and that that was kind of that.
1: Is this like your first big coaching change you've made Rory? Like outside of leaving college?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I'm, I'm a pretty loyal guy. I'd say, uh, I, I didn't even want to leave coach Eist my college coach. I, if I could have gotten a contract out of, out of college to stay in, in Provo and train under him, I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have ever left. I just, I, uh, I didn't, I don't see myself as the kind of guy that like looks at my situation and, 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 you know, places blame anywhere and, and wants to change things up because of that. But I just felt like, the two and a half years I had under, uh, Ben and Easy elite, like kind of changed who I was. And, and, and I kind of lost a little bit of my identity there. Um, I needed to go back and and find what, what made me great in the past and what, what, what made me believe in myself in the past and, and go right back to that. And I spoke with Ryan once and I felt like he totally, uh, you know, spoke my language as far as like, uh, you know, training philosophy, uh, life philosophy, just like a lot of, a lot of things just aligned really well. So it seemed like a no brainer to me. I, I, and I didn't want to, you know, go back to, uh, you know, coach I Stone, or move. I wanted to stay here in Flagstaff. I wanted an in-person coach. I didn't want to do thing anything remote. So there was only a handful of options for me. And this one just felt like the best one.
1: And then like, what are, what are those things that make you feel confident as a runner? Like what in a setup works for you?
2: Well, I'm a, I'm I, I'm kind of a, a crazy runner. Like I mean, most people that run marathons are, but I uh, I really like to push the envelope. I like to feel like I'm taking big risks. I'd I'd rather dance with the line of uh, injury and over overtraining than than feel like I'm being conservative and holding anything back. It gives me a lot of confidence to know I'm I'm working extremely hard. I I love the feeling of you know finishing a session, hands on knees, and just being like, I did everything, like I, I'm i doing everything I can to get better. Like I'm taking those risks and I'm, I'm really pushing the envelope here. And, uh, and I feel like Ryan believes that as well. And he, uh, he, he embodied that as an athlete, he pushed boundaries and, and, and pushed limits and, and Sarah has done that. And, you know, she just, his wife, Sarah just broke the American record as well. And, and she's had an incredibly long, and successful career. And he's guided her through like the golden years of that career here in, in her mid to late 30s. And, and it's been off the principle of just loving the process and really, really putting your head down and working extremely hard.
0: One of the things I wanted to ask you about, Rory, is that um, so let's go back to the actual race for a moment, because you went in with a goal of breaking the Canadian record. You talked about the pace you would have to run, but you actually ended up setting two other. Canadian records, I think unofficially en route. You set the uh 15 and 20 kilometer records that were previously held by Paul Williams and Cam Levins running 4323 through 15k and then 5805 through 20K, which is so fast. Did you have any sense of those records going in or that did you find out after that you had broken them?
2: I kind of knew that if you run the half marathon record, uh you're gonna get those en route because uh, that's just kind of the way that the records are currently laid out. And I I don't know if those will be ratified in any way. They had official timing mats. I'd love it. That'd be great. That'd be really cool. Um, I I definitely knew at 15K I was well under the record because I had actually chased the record the year prior at Gate River, but like it just wasn't a record-type day for me. Um, but I, I knew what the record was for 15K, and I knew if I got the marathon, half marathon, I would get the 20k because those are so close together. So I, I, I kind of knew I got those those in route. Uh, I just didn't know like if those were official timing marks or whatnot. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, I'm just really happy to get the the half record. And it is cool to see those those uh, in route splits, the 15k one, especially because we actually ran like blazing fast from 10 to 15k like we were running the, like by far the fastest throughout the race uh in that 5k stretch so I I was really surprised when I checked my watch and I think I was like 43 like 18 or something or I don't even know somewhere in like the 43 20 range for 15k so uh it was it was fast
1: did any like did at any point when you can see you're ahead of pace and you're like really cooking through 15k does that stress you out or did you just you felt great
2: I had one moment where I thought I was about to it was all going to come crashing down. So <laughs> I I went through 15k and I was like, "Oh, I feel great. We're way under pace. This is awesome. It's going to it's going to be it's going to be a great day." Uh, that was right when like a big move had made right been made right in front of me and I actually felt good enough that I was like, "I'm going to respond to this and I'm going to go with this group." And I like made a hard hard surge to get caught back up cuz I'd lost about five, ten steps on the group through this roundabout on the course, uh, and when I when I made the, that those five hard steps, I had I guess I had just like run just hard enough. My breathing kind of got like a little bit too shallow, and I started dry heaving for like a good minute or two. And I I felt like I was really slowing down because of this. Like I couldn't stop dry heaving, and this is like right around fifteen k to. 10 mile range in the, and I was just like battling this like weird dry heave spell. And I actually got caught by two runners in the, in that moment. Like, and they just passed me like I was standing still and I was like, Oh no, like I'm losing so much time. But once I like relaxed my breathing again, I, uh, I was able to refocus and like I had plenty left in the tank. So I actually caught back up to that group of two that had passed me while I was having this episode of dry heaving during the race and, and we worked together all the way to the final kilometer or something. Uh, and until I kind of picked it up to, to catch a couple straggling runners, uh, that fell off that, that top group. But yeah, there was a point right there where I was like, it felt too good. And then it felt really bad and then it felt good again. So I kind of went through it all, all within like such a short period of time in the latter stages of the race. Uh, but towards like, there's a turn on the course right around the 11 mile mark where you like turn back towards downtown Houston and you go up this little bridge and then you go into, into downtown. And at that point I knew I was under pace, but I also started to hurt really, really bad. And I had my former training partner, Scott Fable with me in the race. And I just was like, I need your help right now. Like, I don't know what that means in this moment, but I was like, we need we need to get after it. And he just like kind of encouraged me and like we kind of traded leads for the next mile mile and a half of the race. And it, and it kind of resur- gave me a resurgence of like energy to like know that he was like actively trying to help me break this record.
0: That's awesome. It's been really fun to watch your friendship and teammateship, I guess, with Scott over the last couple of years. And I know that you've talked about how what a big influence he's been in uh, in your success lately. So um, I know that you said having him was a big help. But outside of that, I'm curious what like how you. Manage to stay calm when you're doing something like dry heaving at a really critical point in a race. I guess I'm thinking about others listening to this podcast who maybe go through moments of like extreme discomfort in the middle of a race and advice you might have about how to like not let that totally freak you out and get the better of you.
2: Yeah, I went. I went through two phases of the dry heave. A, a phase where, like, quickly, I started to panic, and then I realized that panicking was just accelerating my breathing, which I think was the cause of the dry heave. Anyways, I think I actually like accelerated my heart rate too quickly, and <laughs> it like just started forcing like this dry heave response. And so, like, once I realized like I was dry heaving in in that moment, I was like, I need to just calm down. So I actually slowed down intentionally took like a few really like concentrated deep breaths and then finally like it subsided. And then I pushed again and it was fine. It just had completely gone away. It was just like a weird reaction and it scared me, especially because I had done that at CIM in the last mile of that race, because I was kicking against my teammate, Nick Hogger. And I was like, oh no, not again. Like We have way too much time left in this race for me to be doing this all the way to the finish. Uh, so yeah, there was a brief moment of panic, but I just kind of like found my breath and just took some real deep breaths and and was able to regroup.
0: I'm curious because another person that we should mention here is that Mr. Ben Flanagan, another Canadian road standout, ran a fantastic half marathon himself, a personal best of 101.38. So only 10 seconds off of that former Canadian record. Um, and given that he was only 30 seconds back from you at the finish, did you kind of, did you have him in your sights or were you running with him on the course at all? Did you guys like, yeah, spend any time helping each other out?
2: Yeah, I think we, I think we definitely pushed each other out there. Uh, I knew he was going for the record. I think he knew I was, I wanted it as well. Uh, he had made it pretty public that he was going for the record and I, 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 told him personally that 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 was my goal as well. So he knew it. I, I just hadn't quite broadcasted it the same. Um, and that was, you know, by order of Coach Hall, <laughs> I, I, would have naturally like probably told people. But he was like, just don't say anything. Just don't say anything, and just go out there and just like take. Don't let there there be like this unnecessary pressure. Um, you're ready. Just let it happen. And obviously, like nobody knew Sarah was going for the record either, and she broke it. So he, this is a philosophy he holds. Uh, <laughs> and with Ben out there, the thing about it was, is I know Ben pretty well. Like we work at Streamline Athletes together, and I uh, obviously he's he's one of the best Canadian distance runners. Period, regardless of surface or distance. And he's been on a tear lately. He won Falmouth this summer. He won Manchester, and I, I know that he can he can get this record and that he's capable of running very very fast. So I had so much respect for for him that like my whole race plan was basically follow Ben and uh and compete with him late. And it was just like I he was in the front of this pack. I was in the middle of this pack, and I just was watching him, and and I early in the race, he looked so good that I was just like, you know, we're probably both going to get under this record, but I might lose to him. And that's, that's, that's just kind of sport, right? Like he's, he's a stud, like I have respect for him. And it wasn't until about like just before that 15 K mark that the, the narrative kind of flipped where I was following him and, and then I passed him. Uh, And he was looking back at me a couple times in those kilometers leading into 15 K. And I could tell that something wasn't right. Like he definitely was looking like a lot. And just at me, like I was behind him and he would turn his whole body and look at me. And I was just like, I don't think something I, I kind of thought he was like, kind of asking for some help or something like with his eyes. So to me, this was like a weird message. And I just took it as like, I'm going to move up. I'm going to go up into this group. Cause this was when the race was kind of stringing out a little bit. And when I passed him, uh, just before 15 K he looked right into my eyes and I could just kind of tell like he was, he was not feeling great, which, you know, that's, that's a half marathon. You're at a pretty critical point in the race. That's a, that's a really hard part of the Houston course. And I, uh, I pressed from there. I, 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 that became a racing moment for me and it it stopped being a time trial. And I was like, well, only one of us can get this record. So I'm going to press here for the next few minutes. And it led to me dry heaving for, for a couple minutes, but uh, I ended up st- staying clear of him and, you know, one hundred one thirty eight is, is nothing to shake a fist at. Uh, he's, he's going to challenge that record again at some point, and I'm going to have to keep showing up and trying to lower it. Cause it, it it's going to be, it's going to be for sure a battle in the future as well. And, and I won this battle, but who knows, who knows what's going to happen next time. I just have so much respect for him.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's great to see those rivalries playing out and, uh, yeah, undoubtedly we'll see Ben trying to trying to get that record and then maybe you get it back. I mean, I love those kind of cat and mouse things. Um my last question for you about the actual race is what shoes did you wear?
2: Okay, yeah. Um I I wore the the Next percents. Um there's no no secret about that. I mean, you could see it in the race photos, but uh yeah, I just you know, after leaving Hoka, I, I've tried a few super shoes and and those were just the ones that I was fairly confident that, uh, are one of the best on the market just because it's what everyone wears. And I was just like, if it's good enough for everyone else, I I guess it's good enough for me, but I've tried a few others that I I really like as well. And it just boiled down to, I had a fresh pair that hadn't been opened, uh, yet. And I, I love throwing on first time wearing a pair of shoes for race day. It's like a superstition to me. Like I almost always take something out of the box for a big race like that. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was the, what it went into that decision and yeah, I wore the next percent.
0: Nice. Yeah. Again, I know that you could see it in pictures, but, uh, just given that you had just left Hoka, I thought it was a good little tidbit for our audience about what you ended up wearing. Um, one of my last questions for you, Rory, is I know that, uh, both you and Ryan Hall have been quite public about, um, the role that your faith plays in your running. And I know that you're both Christians. And I'm wondering if there's um, anything you'd like to speak to about that in terms of the role that faith plays in your running, especially with your new partnership with Ryan Hall and Sarah Hall.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it is a huge part of, you know, my identity as a person, not just as a as an athlete. But I think um, that was one of the things that drew me closest to Ryan. And I, I just, I was at a point in my life, you know, I've had like a pretty crazy year where the, my faith was a big part of me, of what I was deciding to do and what was guiding my decisions in life. And I just felt really drawn to Ryan as a person because uh, because of his faith. And it, it certainly doesn't hurt that I have somebody now that's such a big part of of, of my life as my coach that I also can connect with me on this very personal level and uh, and, and a, a level of faith and so it, it definitely is something that I admire a lot about him and that drew me to him and it's been a it's been a cool thing to incorporate into sport I, I know it's not always something that you mix with uh, with business and such but I, I feel like I'm in a really fortunate uh, situation where that can be a part of, of my training and and uh, he's just a a really good guy all all around, regardless of his faith. He just embodies so many things that I just value as a, as a as a person.
1: Well, and another major changer is you became a father, and not has it been about a year now?
2: Uh, it's, we're we're approaching the six month mark. So he was a he was a summer baby. Oh, only
1: six months. Of summer baby. So yeah, so that's also huge. And how how has that changed how you run? I know a lot of parents feel like it actually brings them sort of a renewed sense of motivation. I'm sure you're also exhausted a lot of the time because, you know, I hear newborns aren't the easiest, but has that brought new purpose to what you do for work?
2: I would say it does bring a level of of purpose that just basically, like, I want at the end of my running career to be able to say I embodied everything that I want to teach my son to be. You know, you're faithful, uh, courageous, uh, believe in yourself, take risks, uh, just basically, you know, life principles. And I want I want my running to to embody that to him and show him, you know, like you can follow your dreams. You can you can really take big risks in life and they can pay off big. And I hope that I can inspire him in some way. He's very young right now, so he's probably not being inspired much at all. But I, I, I plan on running for a lot longer. And hopefully he can, he can remember me as an athlete and that I can embody all those things that I hope to teach him through example, and not just me telling him what to do, you know?
1: Well, and I'm sure you'll carry that with you, you know, no matter what you're doing, running, running and beyond. But I think, I mean, I always feel like even like just watching like Melissa Bishop with her, you know, baby, her daughter, Corinne, like even like, she's watching her mom run track and she knows like mommy's at a track meet. And I just, I I feel like there's more happening than you realize, like even at a
2: very young age.
1: So that's super cool. Yeah.
2: I've been fortunate to see this play out with other friends and teammates, you know, uh, being with NAZ elite, there's a lot of people that are parents and then also at BYU, there was actually quite a few parents on my team. Um, But uh, yeah, so I've seen how that plays out and I, I do, I do witness that it makes an impact and like kids, kids are very, uh, astute observers. And yeah, I think it's a, a really cool opportunity that I get to be an athlete and a, and a father.
1: And then do you have any idea what you'll do next or you're just going to soak this in and and uh, give it a bit of time?
2: I actually just got off the phone with Ryan right before this uh, call. We're trying to flirt with the idea of, of uh, getting on the track again. So for me, um, that'll mean just Probably starting with a pacing job. Uh, I've I've kind of worked like closely with Ben Blankenship lately, Um, and he he wants me to pace him in a 5K, so I might jump in a 5K and just go take him through 3K, and you know see how that feels on the body. Um, I'm I'm also I got a lot of road races lined up for the next like three or four months, like a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna be ra- I'm gonna be racing quite a bit and just kind of like operating under the principle of like just general fitness and just having fun with it. So there'll be a lot of o- and then opportunities for a spring for, do you have any marathon on the horizon right now? I want to get, I want to get faster this spring and, and then really give like a proper crack at the marathon this fall. And after working with Ryan for, you know, the better part of the year. And I think that that sets me up to really like blow it out of the water rather than rush it.
0: Because uh, you just ran a, a two-second personal best, right? A little baby PB at CIM this this uh, December.
2: Yeah, CIM was a two-second PB in the um, in the marathon, which is is not much, but I mean, it, it at least reinforces that I I can run two twelve. I've done it twice now, and to do it in a uh, I did it in a totally different fashion. The first time I ran two twelve, I faded horribly hard to 2.12. I was on Canadian record pace through 30K and then just fell apart and ran 2.12. And then this time was much more uh, a conservative effort and a fast, fast finish in the last 10K. So it's it's really reassuring to know that I can run a marathon multiple ways. And now like with that positive experience of finishing a marathon strong, hopefully I can go out a little bit more aggressive and take that same mentality over the last 10K.
0: For sure. And also, I mean, that was only what, five weeks ago? Like that's a pretty quick turnaround to go from a personal best marathon to running a huge personal best half marathon. That's
2: awesome. Yeah. Not a lot of people do this, but I actually used a marathon as like a a building block towards a half. Nobody does that. Uh, But I was totally in my mind, uh, the building block towards Houston. I actually trained through CIM in a lot of ways and didn't really like treat it as an a race at all. I just treated it as a good opportunity to uh, run a good marathon, hopefully execute a a race plan well, and uh, make a little bit of money on the day. And that never hurts. And uh, yeah, I just I just used that as a as a fitness boosting opportunity. And so long as I was able to recover from it, I knew that that strength would benefit me quite a bit uh, going into Houston.
0: Well, that's an even better sign, right, that you could sort of train through a marathon and still run your best time ever and turn around five weeks later and run a national record. So that's awesome, Rory. Congratulations. We're so glad you were joining us today to uh, to chat about it. Way to go.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I hope it just means that there's a couple minutes to shave off that marathon once we get it right.
1: I didn't, I didn't say congratulations, Rory, so congratulations. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time. It sounds like this is going to be a very exciting few months for you.
2: I, I sure hope so. I'm hoping that this uh, race springboards a few opportunities here in the form of sponsorship. So uh, yeah, I'm excited about what, what the next couple weeks and months can be. And I'm, I'm really hoping that Houston is just the start of a really, really exciting 2022.
1: We love seeing Canadians do great things in the running world.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a good time to be a, a Canadian distance runner, I think. Uh, mid distance women, men, everybody's lighting the world on fire. I had an interview earlier today on a different podcast and and it was Americans saying it. How, how good are, is Canadian running right now and they just name dropped like 10 people that are just crushing so it's pretty exciting times to be a Canadian distance runner and I'm really fortunate to just be one of the many names and hopefully keep climbing that ladder of uh, the hierarchy of amazing distance runners here in Canada.
0: Always so fun to talk to Rory and Maddie. I had forgotten that it had been pretty much exactly two years since we last chatted with him after his half marathon debut. So to bring this full circle and chat about a half marathon national record exactly two years after talking about his very first is a true pleasure.
1: Yeah. And not just Rory who had an amazing day, as we mentioned in Houston, Ben Flanagan, we mentioned him in our interview with Rory, but Ben Flanagan was painfully close to running under the former Canadian record as well and ran a fantastic half marathon debut. So Ben Flanagan's first ever crack at the distance, a 101.38, he was second to Rory not quite under the old record, but that makes him the third fastest Canadian in history. And so we tip our hats to Ben as well, who also just announced that he has switched sponsors. He will no longer be with Reebok. He is representing On Athletics, who is quickly gaining an impressive North American roster of athletes. So, like, I remember even, was it 2018 or 2019, that Rachel Cliff signed with On? And everyone was kind of like, interesting move. Yeah. I know, but now like I'm seeing on shoes, just like on the street, I see more and more. They have a roster of very strong elites. And also it's just, you know, it's a shoe company gaining international notoriety. It feels like Hoka from 2012. So congratulations to Ben
0: on a great race and an exciting sponsor change. Super exciting. The other Canadian that we mentioned in our rundown last week that we should address is Emily Setlack, who is the top Canadian woman on the women's course in Houston running 112.48. She was 20th overall. This was about a minute off of her personal best, but a really great showing in Houston. She set that PB exactly two years ago on the same Houston course. There is magic that happens at Houston. Of course, that is where Melinda Elmore set the Canadian record in the marathon two years ago with that 224 and change performance. So Canadians love this course, love this time of year. Can't wait to see what happens next. But Maddie, there was also some unbelievable American women's results from the Houston full and half marathon this weekend. Would you like to tell us what happened?
1: I would love to. So first, we'll go in chronological order because they're both equally impressive accomplishments. Sarah Hall broke Molly Huddle's American half marathon record by 10 seconds, running a one oh seven fifteen on Sunday morning. And Sarah has just been such a pandemic success story. Like she, it's, it's like COVID was announced and she was a woman with a plan. Like she pivoted. She has run a 220 full marathon. She has now run an American record in the half. I believe she's the third Fastest American in history over the full distance. Now she has run ten kpbs. I think she even ran a five kpb. Sarah Hall is just an, an absolute tear. And quickly following Sarah Hall's new American record, we had Kira Damato breaking the American marathon record, which had stood for fifteen years. She broke it by about twenty seconds, running a two nineteen twelve. And I think there had been a bunch of women eyeing Dina Castor's record of two nineteen thirty six, And I don't think Kira was the person who literally anyone pegged to get it until probably about a year ago. So, and then Kira had her incredible half and well, actually she had her incredible 5k. That's what really caught everyone's attention. And then she followed that up with a series of road races that all culminated in this incredible, incredible marathon. And I think we also have to mention that she is, you know, not only a Nike sponsored professional runner and American marathon record holder, but she has a full-time real estate business and she is a mother. And I think it takes like a tremendous team effort to have someone be so be able to wear so many hats so well, so really congratulations to Kira. And then also just congratulations to her, her circle around her for, you know, helping a person succeed in so many different realms of life. I think that is truly remarkable and impressive and
0: kind of, you know, the, the ultimate goal to be, to be excellent in many ways. And just for the record, Maddie, I agree with everything you just said, but there has been, you know, it's always interesting when athletes take a significant amount of time away from elite level running and then come back and sort of blow things out of the water. Of course, again, referencing our national record holder in the marathon, Lindy Elmore, she did exactly that took 16 years off between Olympics, um, spent time raising a family and pursuing other, both athletic personal and professional pursuits, came back and did some amazing things on the roads. Um, we have to remind our listeners that Kira has incredible, uh, success in the sport dating back a very long time. So again, for reference in 2005, she was sixth at the NCAA cross country championships beating out. I think four of the five women ahead of her went on to become Olympians themselves in the sport of track and field. So it's not like Kira came out of nowhere. She was an incredibly strong and talented athlete uh, in her own right in her younger years and is only proving that with age, she has gotten that much stronger. Really cool to see way to go Kira.
1: In other exciting road news, the 2022 Boston elite fields were announced this week, and it is one of probably the most exciting Boston lineup in history. There are many headliners, but the headliners, for all intents and purposes of the ShakeOut podcast, are Melinda Elmar, our Canadian record holder, and Natasha Wodak, the second fastest Canadian over the marathon distance. So those two will be racing Boston. It is their first time, both of them, running Boston. It will be Natasha's first world major. She's pretty new to the distance, and we are so excited to see what they do this spring.
0: Our final piece of news for the week is the fact that Canada's own Kieran Lum ran an unbelievable world lead in the indoor mile over the weekend. He competed at the Dempsey Indoor in Washington. Maddie, you've raced here, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I raced there once. It went uh, poorly. It was one of my worst ever indoor races. That's not a knock on the Dempsey. That's a knock on Madeline Kelly in third year university. But uh, Seattle's lovely. That's kind of that's what I have to say about the facility. I got really good banana cake after. I distinctly remember the cake.
0: Now, Maddie, this is an oversized track, is that right?
1: Yes. So this will unfortunately not count towards any Lum qualification for like a world indoor. This will not count towards points.
0: World indoors does actually often have a conversion for oversized to regular and banked versus not banked. So I'm not actually sure if that is true this year with World Indoors because this is a World Indoor year. However, he ran 355.53 for the mile. Again, that magical barrier for the men is four minutes for the mile. He ran not only was this his first time breaking four, but he broke it by almost five entire seconds uh, because his old personal best was just over four minutes. This is also only one second off of Nate Brennan's canadian record of 354 32 but as you mentioned maddie it would not count toward a record even if he had broken it but a fantastic start to the season and just so fun to see a canadian topping the world lead list at this point in the year and a young canadian like kieran
1: made a really really strong bid for the olympic team in the five thousand. he didn't quite get there
0: but i think we're gonna see super strong things from him over the next few years Again, you can check back with runningmagazine.ca for updates on performances, on all of your tips for running through the winter, which I know so many of us are having to deal with right now. Kudos to everyone getting out uh, in whatever conditions you have across the country. We wish you the very best. But for The Rundown, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. And we'll talk with you again soon.